Welcome back, everybody. Time again for another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University's Marketing Communications Online Graduate Programs. We're going to try and explore the unique Marcom strategies that will help you inform, persuade, and inspire your audiences with the man who's an expert at all those, Michael Lynch. Hey, Michael. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm good. We're a couple minutes late, so we'll let you jump right into it here. you got some uh, good conversations about event planning during the current crisis. Can such be done? We hope we can, and Deidre West is going to tell us all about it. Today, my guest is Deidre West, and I could not be happier to have her with me today. Deidre is the Director of Special Events and Celebrity Relations for Children's Health Fund. Sounds like a title that I would have a tough time fitting onto my business card. But I am very excited to have Deidre here with me today. So, Deidre, welcome. And could you tell us a little bit about Children's Health Fund and your role? Hi, Michael. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Children's Health Fund is an organization that provides access to health care for children and families living in underserved communities. Known for our Big Blue Bus, which is a mobile medical clinic, or in simpler terms, a doctor's office on wheels. It's an innovative service model that allows us to meet these families where they live, where they work, and where they play. My role is to craft experiences for our donors, for our providers, and those come in various forms, such as our annual gala, conferences, receptions, and other events. And as you mentioned, the other part of my title is to deal with celebrity engagement for participation with those events, but also to support Children's Health Fund. That sounds like an exciting role, but something's happened over the last four to six months, and we all know that to be the coronavirus, which has affected everything that is face-to-face or everything that really has to do with social gatherings. So what was Children's Health Fund's first response when you started to get recommendations that you really needed to start having these face-to-face public events? We were in the thick of planning for our annual gala, which is our largest fundraiser. And because it is such a large event, of course, that was our immediate thought. And so we knew that June was probably unrealistic at that point. This was in March, just before New York City went on pause. So we decided to preemptively move it to the fall But, of course, we then had to end up uh, changing that and making it into a virtual event. Now, I know I'm sure that Children's Health Fund does a lot of face-to-face events or does events that involve social gatherings or maybe even one-on-one sort of uh, meetings. How does an organization like Children's Health Fund adapt to these changes, such as a health crisis like we're going through right now? Of course, the focus for the organization as a whole was to be a part of providing tests and other access for the families that we serve. But on the other side of that, it's figuring out what we would then do with these types of events and programs that were scheduled. And so we took a look at what mattered most and what we could potentially move onto a virtual platform, such as some of the virtual events and conversations that we've had. We've been able to turn those into one-on-one through Instagram Live, but for some others, they might have to be postponed until next year because of the types of events that they are and that they need to be face-to-face. 
Now, you mentioned virtual events. I think that's, uh, that's sort of interesting. What kind of virtual events have been successful for Children's Health Fund? So far, we had a very successful event with a young actress named Meg Donnelly, who's on ABC, and she is one of our friends of Children's Health Fund who has done some work with us in our programs. And so we had a conversation with her and one of our providers from our national network, and they were able to talk about something that not only affects Meg, but also many children and adults across the country, and that was anxiety and stress. Meg was really interested in sharing her story and how she struggled with it, but has been able to overcome it and to attempt to normalize it, to let children and teens know that this is something that affects several people, regardless of your economic status, whether you're famous or not. And so really being able to have that conversation where her followers could not only tune in to hear about her struggles, but also to hear from a doctor how they can take steps to incorporate family and friends to help them with this. And so it was very powerful. We've received a lot of great feedback, and it also helped for those children and other people who were following on social media to learn about Children's Health Fund and the work that we do. Wonderful. You mentioned social media, and of course, this is a podcast all about uh, marketing communications. What are some of the ways you've integrated social media or maybe some other, let's say, non-traditional or non-face-to-face communication media that might be effective for you? I would say it has been a ramp up in the engagement on social media, making sure that we are even more thoughtful with the content that we are not only sharing what is happening on the ground and in the country, but how we are addressing that. But then additionally, we're trying to find interesting ways to provide lighthearted content and to talk to those people who may be coming to the website or the Instagram page or the Facebook page for the first time because a friend actually shared or reposted some of that information. And in other ways, we're looking to engage some followers and celebrities in events for the fall. And so while I can't go into specifics about those yet, I think that it's going to be an interesting way for us to get more eyes on Children's Health Fund and to continue to enhance the support for all the work that we do. They say in uh, times of crisis, that is often the times when innovation emerges and different techniques sort of present themselves. And sometimes when you're pivoting around or trying to come up with a solution, a unique solution to a problem that you haven't encountered before, sometimes you really come across gold in the mine, so to speak. So what is the biggest lesson that you've learned while kind of trying to get around this current health crisis? Pivot is definitely the buzzword of our time. Everyone is trying to pivot. I think the biggest lesson that I have learned is that as a planner, we are constantly thinking of all of the details. And we also come up with the potential scenarios of what can go wrong so that we already have those in our mind and we can address them if they happen. So being very solution-oriented is something that many event planners possess as a characteristic, but I think that this has pushed us to be even more flexible and even more adaptable because things are constantly changing. And so while we usually have somewhat of a control over those changes that could potentially happen or that we've thought about as possibilities, this pandemic has totally 
shifted everything of what we could possibly think that we could be prepared for and how we would address it. So as you mentioned, creativity and innovation is happening now and it's really flourishing and it's a great opportunity for people to collaborate and really push the boundaries of what's happening now, what happened before in terms of the types of events and maybe some of the experiences and really what we could do next. It's almost a unlearn everything that you've learned to now just go wild with creativity. So that's something that I've been learning to embrace a bit more. And what do you think your biggest challenge has been since the current health crisis has kind of emerged or uh, shown its ugly face? (laughs) Definitely the unknown, because again, as someone who is very type A and likes to be prepared and to have all the possibilities laid out in front of me, we are constantly shifting and changing and figuring out and refiguring out because things keep changing. I live in New York City, and while it was the epicenter, our numbers thankfully are down, but unfortunately, you're seeing spikes across the country. So while we in New York may have uh, some freedoms, if you will, to now start to enjoy outdoor dining and have smaller intimate gatherings, you're seeing the opposite happen across the country. And so I think that that is definitely a challenge that we're going to continue to see at the very least through the end of the year. So it's unknown whether we can actually plan live events in the fall or if we have to push them to winter, spring, or are we even looking at next summer? So that unknown aspect is very much a challenge. And before we go to our break here, speaking of challenges and speaking of things that kind of pop up out of nowhere, how were you affected by the recent storms that came through the Northeast? And what would you have done if, let's say, coronavirus aside, if those storms had affected your uh, your events or your social gatherings? Thankfully, I was not affected, though there were many in the five boroughs and the surrounding areas that were, many are still without power, and that's an unfortunate circumstance. But I think that health is always first. Safety is always first. Postponing an event, no matter the size, is always something that we would have in our minds for the health and safety of our attendees. Wonderful. Well, we're going to take a little break right now, and when we come back, we are going to shift gears pretty much completely. Both Deidre and I are both educators at West Virginia University, and we're going to talk a little bit about how the health crisis has affected learning and how we can be effective in spite of some of the changes that are going to be going on. And as we ponder those thoughts here, i got a couple things that you might want to check out or write down. One of which, of course, we've been talking about every week is the WVU's Integrate Conference. It's gone online, just like we're talking about here today. This event has uh, moved online, but it's still available if you want to uh, check out marketing communication experts from a variety of industries who are all exploring how and what to say during this crisis, like we're talking about. How do you reach people? What messages do they want to hear? If you want to hear the schedule and tune into the live virtual sessions, you can check out integrate.wvu.edu. That's integrate.wvu.edu. And after you check that out, why don't you also check out the uh, new Digital Marketing Communications Master's Degree Program from West Virginia University. It's fully online as well and can be completed in one year. 
With built-in certifications from platforms like Google and Facebook, the program gives you both the strategy and skills you need to reach an audience today on existing and emerging media. The ones we haven't thought about yet, they're going to pop up next year when we've got to pivot yet again. Learn more at marketingcommunications.wvu.edu. That's marketingcommunications, plural, dot wvu dot edu. All right, let's pick it back up with uh, Michael and his guest. And before you do, I just have one pondering question I have to ask. Is this the last time we'll have to pivot like this, or is this the new normal? Are we going to have to be nimble going forward on all the marketing that we're doing, particularly live events? What do you guys think? Well, nothing is uh, so constant as change. Uh, we're always going. There always going to be is going to be something new. As a matter of fact, I was having a conversation earlier today with somebody, and we were talking about the impact of the monetization of email when email really first started. But all of a sudden, little by little, there is now there's social media. Uh, now there is um, all kinds of new new media, new new processes, new ideas, and also as time changes, people change, and the way that people accept uh, marketing communications changes, and again in the 21st century, the question of really who owns the channels of communication is is up in the air. I mean, Deidre, what do you think about that? I agree with you. I think when you look at just where we were a few months ago, Instagram, for example, was a place where you primarily went to showcase your information. You also were receiving information, but in the form of photos or short videos. We were not having full conversations via the live feature, even though it existed. And so looking at the way that has changed, we now consume entertainment that way. And I have a friend who is a DJ who was very instrumental in kicking that off. And it simply started because he wanted to play music for others. And the way that it is now, when you go on Instagram, you cannot go on without seeing numerous people at the top who are live. It's individuals, it's brands, it's nonprofit organizations. And that is not something that we are used to having. And as things shift, it may not continue that way, but it may morph into another format. And so I agree with you, change is the only constant, but I do think that as we talked about before, this is the opportunity for innovation to happen and for new things to sprout. Absolutely. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but even if you look at the political environment over the last 10 years and how much that really has shifted to social media and online and I'd like to call it one-to-one communication, in other words, politicians trying to speak directly to their constituencies as opposed to broad brush, broad media kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, times, they are changing, so to speak. But speaking about changings, what are some of the things that are going to shift now that we've gone into this new reality, particularly for this coming semester? What are the trends? What are the things that really need to change with students trying to study event planning and other marketing things? That's an interesting question because everything is changing as it relates to events. You have the catering needs that are changing, the venues are changing, and the way that people can actually gather in terms of numbers and spacing. And the way we plan and the way people attend 
that all of that is changing. And so the difficulty that I found is because things are changing from day to day, week to week, it's hard to nail down in preparation for fall semester what to teach students because what you're putting down as changes and trends may not be applicable in the months that the fall semester will be starting. And so the approach I have is to have more of a dialogue with those students in ways that I have not before. Because the event minor courses are online, most of the time the engagement is online. I do have usually a virtual office hours that I allow students to ask me questions or help them with some understanding of anything that may not have been clear with previous or upcoming assignments. But I think as I look at fall this year, I want to integrate more group conversations. Maybe it's through Skype, maybe it's through Google Meet. We may do something on Instagram Live. Who knows what it could be? But I think really getting the opportunity to hear from the students and what they are finding as changes in the way that they're consuming and being involved in events is going to be key. So I see it as more of their participation and letting us and their peers know how their experience is changing with events to be able to talk about it on a broader scale. What I try to do is get them interested in one or more brands. If they can choose a brand that they love and then focus on the types of events that that brand actually executes, I feel that they're more engaged. And so I think that we'll start to see a variety of things in different industries, whether it's fashion, whether it's technology, being able to share all of that information in group settings through conversation will be essential. And again, that's something that we haven't previously done, but that's one way I anticipate interacting with my students. The other thing I would like to say is I think that this is a great time for them because everything is so new. The opportunity for them to come in through virtual internships and to be vocal with fresh eyes to share how they would like to be engaged with if they were attending this event. And that will help arm planners and event marketers with information that they may not have considered because they're more seasoned or they're not the target demographic. We're kind of lucky at uh, West Virginia University, particularly in uh, the programs in which we teach. We are the champions uh, when it comes to online learning and when it comes to online education. I've got to say that the people within the program and colleagues in the program definitely get a great deal of positive feedback from our students. Just to try to help out those professors and teachers and folks that might be struggling with how best to engage with their students online, what are the, some of the techniques that you like to use to really engage with your students and, and give them the feeling that they really are getting, air quotes included, that collegiate experience, that graduate school experience, that undergraduate experience? I have found that it varies semester to semester. There are some people who love the fact that they're taking online courses and some who may have a tougher time. They may be oral learners and so being able to be in that class setting to hear what's actually being said in terms of the content is better for them. And so, you know, I think you just have to figure out what works best. You'll be able to tell from the conversation that you're having with them either via the discussion board 
or through email conversation. Again, I always open it that they can contact me at any time. I include my phone number, but I also let them know that I'm open to other forms of technology if that's what makes them feel most comfortable. They may not want to have a phone conversation, but they may be okay with texting, and I'm okay with that. So I think just really embracing where we are now and where students are and understanding specifically at this time the lack of comfort that they have because they may not be able to have the face-to-face interaction with their other students, even if they're on campus as remote learning continues to play out across the country. So for other instructors, I think you just really have to adapt. There's no one-size-fits-all, and for me, I've seen some summers I have a few students, but they're very engaged. In other summers, I have a larger population who are not as engaged because they have internships and work and summer vacations and so many other things. It just really is about trying to create those one-on-one relationships, which can sometimes be difficult. But if you find that you're able to connect with students, then that will help open the door. And one of those I really love that that answer. That is such a great answer is, you know, again, meeting the students where they are and being adaptable. But I need you to reach under your desk and pull out your crystal ball. (laughs) And I need you to look deeply into it and tell me, where do you think the event industry is going in the future? Will we ever get back to normal? And how is the what we've gone through this particular summer really going to change the way people gather and celebrate? I do not think that we will be back to quote-unquote normal in the way that we knew it. I think that there will be a new normal that will continue to evolve. In terms of gatherings, I think that we will continue to see the emergence of more tailored, intimate gatherings, focusing on the content and the experience for the targeted audience. And whether that is a micro-wedding, which is something that has been continuing to gain popularity, or if it's a nonprofit having an event. Who are the people that you really need to be there and what is the experience that you are going to provide? And as we continue to collaborate with other vendors, I think that we're going to see new creativity and things that we've not previously seen. I want to thank Deidre West today. Again, Deidre is the Director of Special Events and Celebrity Relations for Children's Health Fund. Um, I've gotten an awful lot out of our conversation today, and I I hope our listeners have today also. Again, thank you so much, Deidre, and I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you. I had a wonderful time. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University, a weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network. Bratwork listeners like you. You.